0: Nervous Nelly's Rewind. Hello, and welcome to part 3 of Nervous Nellies Rewind, the spin-off of the show about nervous energy and music, and you're listening to Sin with Bailey. Just a quick preamble before we start proper, this is a compilation podcast of two segments in particular from the April to July 2021 radio season of Nervous Nellies. Those segments are the Nervous Nelly and Nervous Tick of the Week, which feature artists and musical techniques, respectively. Part 3 contains instances of these segments from episodes 6 and 7. If you go to the show page on The Sim website, in case you're not there currently, there'll be an article with this podcast and two playlists. The first contains the songs that originally aired before each segment, since they can't be included in the podcast itself for copyright reasons, second is a personal selection of songs that didn't air in the original episode, but which I think give context to the topics discussed in each segment. For example, episode 6's Nervous Nelly of the Week is Atlas Sound, the solo project of Bradford Cox, so in the second playlist I've included a song from Deerhunter, the indie rock band he also fronts. So check out the article, check out the playlists, and without further ado, here's the episodes. You just heard Sunday Evening We Relaxed in Our Rooms and Called Each Other on the Phone by Atlas Sound, and you're listening to Nervous Nellies On Sin with Bailey. Honestly, that last track probably wasn't all that off-kilter, but I wanted to put it on because hearing it for the first time in the mid-2010s kind of redefined how I listened to music and what I did it for. So it's by Atlas Sound, which is the stage name for Bradford Cox's solo work when he's not fronting the indie rock band Deer Hunter, and as the first artist featured on the episode, I'm dubbing him our Nervous Nelly of the Week. I came across his solo act after going through his main group's discography, and what surprised me about Atlas Sound is how electronic parts of it were. Some songs still had more of a bedroom rock vibe to them, but in studio albums, like Let the Blind Lead Those Who Can See But Cannot Feel, he focuses more on building layers of noise from either looped or reverbed samples, much like what Nobukazu Takemura would do, but less glitchy. But the other impressive thing I discovered about Bradford Cox was that during the late 2000s, he uploaded at least seven hours of original material, not just demo recordings, onto the Deer Hunter blog that ran at the time, for free. Sharing home recordings online isn't novel on its own, especially now, but aside from him being an early adopter, the impressive part was how he used the medium to break with indie album conventions, uploading large compilations, often just of extended instrumentals, knowing his fans could play it from their devices at whatever time suited them in any sequence. That last track is one of his blog uploads from the Weekend EP. Which is about half an hour of ambient synths. Again, that isn't very novel in the grand scheme of the genre, but to make that more open, experimental style more accessible to indie fans like me, who only had an entry-level patience for minimalist electronica, is invaluable. So, blame Atlas Sound for giving me the confidence to put 10 minute plus ambience on community radio. Anyway, up next we've got The Abyss by Digitalis, and The Overload by Talking Heads. You just heard The Abyss by Digitalis, and The Overload by Talking Heads, and you're listening to Nervous Nelly's On Sin with Bailey. So for a lot of this season, I've been trying to figure out how to work Talking Heads into the show, because the themes of their music are notoriously paranoid, to the point that their third album is simply titled Fear of Music, and most of the tracks are about lead singer David Byrne playing a character who's nervous about something, be it cities, animals, or even the air. But generally their music is a bit too new wave to fit into the genres this show covers, even though they were a big inspiration to the nervous theme of the show. I remembered, however, that their next album was an early mainstream example of the experimental technique of tape loops, which I'm dubbing our nervous tick of the week. The album is Remain in Light, famous for having once in a lifetime on it, and which the overload is the closing track to. I want to distinguish loops from overdubs and droning riffs though, because part of why I consider it to have nervous energy isn't just because it's repetitive or meditative, but because it's the exact same piece of audio being played over and over, not just the notes. In some ways it's a predecessor to digitization and digital synth instrument lines, which can also be programmed to sound the same every time you play it and the technique can lead to some uncanny results, when juxtaposed with other samples, or contrasted with live instrumentation. Even just listening through Remain in Light, and all the continuous loops in each track, can make the poppier songs like Once in a Lifetime sound very different than when you hear it in isolation on the radio. Anyway, up next we've got We Think We're Sane, by Schema, and Sad Nudes, by Capabon and Group Listening. Episode seven. You just heard Retrograde Mirrorform by Stereolab, and you're listening to Nervous Nellie's On Sin with Bailey. So, being the first artist featured on the episode comes with the honorary title of Nervous Nelly of the Week. Now, Stereolab is an indie rock band that has a history of meshing together genres from several different decades to create its sound. When they started, they had more of a jangle-pop guitar sound from 80s indie, uh, combined with the more droning riffs of 70s German experimental rock, as well as sing-song melodies and harmonies of 60s vocal groups like the Free Design and the Seekers, all tied together under a vintage synthesizer aesthetic and marketed as lounge music for the space age, which in itself is linked to 50s retrofuturism. At a baseline, indie rock with lounge revival elements does relate to one of the several definitions of nervous energy music, which is sort of relaxing-ish music for when you are feeling nervous, but the way the band started to explore innovative technologies later on in the 90s does seem like it generates tension as well. Their 1997 album, Dots and Loops, saw them first experiment with digital production, where they created loop-based compositions, accentuated with synth and orchestral overdubs, and although by the start of the millennium their digital production sounded less uncanny, their expanded access to orchestration led to a more authentic lounge sound, but it was only used to compose music in the studio for their records, and only performed after the fact, which, in a sense, is still maybe uncanny as far as creating music for a lounge aesthetic goes. That last track was from the 2000 mini-album, the first of the Microbe Hunters, which takes the broader instrumentation from that period to make more proggy versions of the 70s-inspired extended instrumental riffs from their early 90s releases. So while the styles they've mixed together has changed over the 20 years they've recorded music for, the gaps they bridge across music history often still has an incongruous nervous tension to them in one way or another. Anyway, up next we've got the Mark Clifford remix of Cherry Coloured Funk by Cocteau Twins, followed by Toy World by Nellwood. You just heard Cherry Coloured Funk, the Mark Clifford remix by Cocteau Twins, and Toy World by Nellwood. And you're listening to Nervous Nellies on Sin with Bailey. So that last track comes from many compilations by Staff Cirque, which is a collective of digital electronic artists that create experimental music that is often inspired by video game soundtracks. In this case, the inspiration takes the form of outright sourcing synth instrumentation from specific video game sound fonts, which I am calling our Nervous Tick of the Week. Several of the instrument lines from that last track are likely sourced this way, but one specific instrument I can pick out, I think, is the music box sound from the Super Nintendo game Yoshi's Island. What this reminds me of is how the broader synth instrument sector of the music industry intersects with video game music, because from the 16-bit generation onwards, sound fonts could be sourced from the same instrument libraries as any contemporary song, just compressed to be hardware compatible. Some video game fans have even found the original synth instruments used for some soundtracks and re-implemented them so they can be listened to in source quality. Off the top of my head, I know this has been done for Super Mario World and Donkey Kong Country. So deliberately using compressed sound fonts and extrapolating them from their original context into a contemporary digital composition inherently has a tension to it, because the instrument is used for more than just an inside joke, to those who know what game it came from, since it's still used for new melodies. But there is an acknowledgement that the instrument is being used because it came from a specific game, so it doesn't quite escape the intertextuality either. Anyway, up next, it's You Know It by Albert Salt followed by in movies by Wiseblood.